Praise God. I want to welcome everyone tonight. If you're a guest with us tonight, we're so glad to have you in service with us. Thank you for being here. If you're watching us online tonight, wherever you're joining us from, we welcome you as a part of this service as well. They are out of town ministering, but we give honor to our bishop and mother right tonight. Praise God. Amen. I told my wife just a couple of days ago, I wasn't supposed to preach on a Sunday night until June with all kinds of stuff going on, so I'm disappointed Brother Morgan couldn't be here, but happy to have a chance to preach. So, praise God. Thank you. And uh, I, I mentioned something, I had the privilege of preaching this morning, and Arnold, I mentioned something this morning, and, and I, I preface this, this is, only, I'm, this is me, this isn't about anybody else, this is not intended to be uh, a hidden message to anyone, but I, I've been convicted for a little while about just preaching with my iPad. I know some of you got pet peeves, and you, 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 you probably got a stronger opinion about it, and that's fine. I'm, I'm not making a, but I, I just, so if you notice me flipping to find my verses, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going back a little old school for a while. There's nothing wrong with technology. If you've only got an iPad or a phone, and that's what you're using, I, again, I, please, I am totally not intending to make any kind of a, a, a send a message I'm just telling you for me that there's I just kind of feel a need to get this old black book up here when I'm preaching so I, I, I will be doing it the old-fashioned way and turning in my Bible not just scrolling to the next scripture so that'll give the sound folks a little more time to to catch up amen I, I, I believe I have a message tonight from the Lord, and uh, I believe it falls under the category of mending the nets. However, just to tell you in advance, that doesn't mean I'm going to have the, the uh, massage oil out tonight and soothing. Because and... sometimes you need surgery. Sometimes you got to... If you get surgery, especially some kind of a joint surgery or whatever, you go to therapy, and therapies after surgery is one of the most painful. I had shoulder surgery years ago, and my post-surgery pain, or my pre-surgery pain, never came close to comparing to post-surgery. And there were several days and weeks and even a couple of months I wondered what in the world I did. But several years later, after the process, I am thankful that I went through it. So I, I say that because, again, I feel like this fits under what I said a couple of months ago would be some of the, or the overarching focus of my ministry in this season. Um, but, but also to sort of forewarn you, I don't want you putting your guard up and being afraid. That's, that's not the point, but... So if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, or scroll there, either way, <laughs> I want to read one verse to you. I am going to uh, 
going to challenge some theology here tonight. I guess you could call it theology. I think there's some things that we have sort of uh, assumed or added to or uh, added on to. I am by no means implying that I don't perhaps have some blind spots in that area. So this is not intended to be uh, uh, elevating myself in any way, but I, I, I'm going to challenge some thinking here tonight, and um, to the best of my ability, it will not be outside of the Word of God, and if it is, I am more than happy for somebody to help me, because first and foremost, anything I preach, I want it to be in the Word of God. So... Is that enough pre-preaching drama to get your attention? Hebrews 11 and 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. That word fear there I don't think is it's not terror, it's reverence, it's respect. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is, of, which is by faith. This probably won't help a whole lot, but just to give you a little bit of an insight to where I'm going, I want you to take note of one particular phrase in this verse. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Let me throw a little seed out there. He did not prepare, according to this, he did not prepare an ark for the saving of the world. He prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Amplified Bible says it this way, Prompted by faith, Noah being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. By this, his faith which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness, that relation of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. Message Bible says it this way, By faith Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land, he was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. The Living Bible, lastly, says it this way. Noah was another who trusted God. When he heard God's warning about the future, Noah believed him even though there was no sign of a flood. And wasting no time, he built the ark and saved his family. Noah's belief in God was in direct contrast to the sin and disbelief of the rest of the world which refused to obey and because of his faith he became one of those whom God has accepted. There's probably some kind of a term to describe this and I've tried to think of and can't come up with it, but I'd like to offer a couple of uh, layers here, if I could. I've come tonight to preach, first and foremost, to husbands and fathers. 
And then to the heads of households, some of your single parent families or single families, some of your single. So if you are not a husband or a father, that doesn't mean tune me out and go to sleep. But I'm just telling you, that's, that's first and foremost what my burden is here tonight. And then it'll trickle down, I think, in some ways as we go along. Father, I thank you for your wonderful presence that we have felt in this place tonight. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity of worshiping and lifting up the name that is above every other name, God. Thank you for your response to our worship, Lord. Thank you for what you've already done, lives you've already touched, miracles already taking place in this sanctuary tonight. Father, I ask again tonight that you would speak to us through your word, that your spirit would minister. I pray again tonight, God, that this would not be a sermon just to take time in this service, but you would allow me to be a messenger, a channel that your word and spirit can flow through tonight to speak to us. Trust you and depend upon you tonight, Lord. I trust you for your anointing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's not my focus, but I do want to take a moment and touch on the second half of this verse for a minute. King James, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Again, the Amplified, by his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness. That relation of being right into which God puts the person who has faith. Message Bible, his act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. The Living Bible Noah's belief in God was in direct contrast to the sin and disbelief of the rest of the world which refused to obey. And because of his faith, he became one of those whom God has accepted. By his obedience, by his response to God's word, simply a word, a word without any kind of outward visible sign or confirmation, Gideon got a word from an angel and that wasn't even good enough. He still wanted numerous confirmations from God. And to my knowledge, to my understanding of Scripture, God spoke to Noah one time and there were no signs and wonders, no confirmations, and there was no other time for 120 years that we have an indication that God spoke again. Isn't it amazing some of the things God speaks to us that on the big scale of things are not quite as significant as interrupting your life to build an ark and yet... We want multiple confirmations and multiple words on something. But one word and Noah interrupts his entire life and world and the life of his family to begin to build an ark, to build an ark be- because of something that was coming that had never even come before they hadn't even heard of. And the Bible says that by his obedience, by his response, he condemned the world. It's not my message tonight, but I just want to challenge and encourage us to somehow change our mindsets as apostolics. Because I think our, our default response is we look at the multitudes and we let them make us feel like there's something wrong with us. 
We look at a bunch of other forms and branches of Christianity and what they preach and teach and believe, and we allow them to judge us to think there's something wrong. One man responded to God and obeyed God, and the Bible says condemn the world. My point tonight is not to get on a high horse that we are condemning the world. That's not the point. That's not, that's not it at all. But my point is somewhere along the way, we got to stop questioning and doubting and second-guessing ourselves because of everybody else. Rather than them invalidating or unvalidating us, it's the opposite. Our response to God tonight sets a standard of judgment. That's not why we're doing what we do. That's not our motive. But by our obedience and our response to God, we are establishing a line of judgment. Let's be honest, folks. What Noah did is a little bit crazier than what we do. What we do is not quite as odd as it used to be. 20, 30 years ago, if you were a tongue talker, you were weird. You were strange, but now every branch of Christianity has tongue talkers. 20, 30 years ago, our worship was, our demonstrative worship was, was perhaps different and weird, but now all you gotta do is get online, go on the internet, go on YouTube, and you can find all kinds of places that worship just as demonstratively as we do. There are some things, and our doctrine is one that is different. The fact that there is more of them than are with us does not mean there's something wrong with us. The fact that we have things that we believe that are different than everybody else doesn't make us wrong. Because we're not judging by the numbers, we're judging by the word. One man heard a word. One man believed God. One man responded to God. So you can sit back and decide how you're going to live based on the crowd, but I'm going to do my best to make my decisions based on the word of God. And let the crowd do what it wants to do. Let the multitudes do what they want to do. But when I know what the word says and I know what God has put inside of me, I'm going to stick with the word. The infallible, unchanging Word of God that was free, that really was not a part of the message. My faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen, as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of His house. His house. Somebody say, His Again, he did not build an ark for the saving of the world. Second Peter tells us that he was a preacher of righteousness. I'm not saying he was not trying to warn and get the attention of the world. But according to what Hebrews says, he was building an ark for his house. He was building an ark for his house. Well, if he was preaching, surely he was trying to get other people on that ark 
If so, he knew something God didn't know. I've heard it. I've preached it. I'm here tonight to change. We seem to be surprised that when the door closed, there was only eight. We seem to be shocked that for 120 years of preaching, I mean, surely, I know, I know as apostolics, we can be crazy. I know that. And again, nowadays, we're, we're not as crazy as we used to be because there's a lot of other people that do things we do. But I, I know, I know people still come and for the first time in an apostolic church and eyes bug out and if I ever get out of here, I won't come back. If I ever come back and do come, I won't do that. Most of you or many of you have said that and some of you that said that are now the ones that we all go. They're crazy. I'm an apostolic and they're crazy. <laughs> oh my goodness, I've lost it again. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah, surprised, very surprised. I'm surprised that I'm standing here with a blank mind. <laughs> yeah, there was eight saved. Some animals. <laughs> ah, I know where I was. I, I, I know where I know where I know from one perspective we, we could seem to be crazy or that. I, I, I think I'm just thinking about this this week. I, 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 I think through, just scroll through, just just off the top of my head of of men and women in this congregation that, from a natural standpoint, extremely intelligent, successful people. We're not a bunch of wackos here. We're not a bunch of rejects from society. We're not a bunch of people that escape from the mental ward, of, mental ward and have all collected up together in a church. In this room tonight, there are brilliant people, absolutely brilliant people. And you're here and you act like this and you do all of this. Surely 120 years of building an ark Somebody just, I mean, it would seem like somebody would have looked at Noah and his family and thought, you know what, if you're willing to give that much time and effort and energy to that, it sounds really crazy. I mean, <laughs> your, your message is crazy. You're, what you're, but, but I mean, you haven't given up. I've been coming by here decade after decade and you're still working and you're still building. And if you believe that, let me tell you something. People have gotten people in a compound for wackier stuff than what Noah would preach. Giving up lives to go follow somebody to crazy stuff. Surely somebody. And, and, and so, and, and so at times, and I think we've almost thought of thought Noah must have been a failure. And then if Noah wasn't a failure, we, we are surprised. How could there have been no more than eight people on that ark? I'm here to tell you tonight, there wasn't supposed to be more than eight people on that ark. 
Okay, okay. Don't let me lose you too long here. Genesis 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. That sound like at all the world we're living in? And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me. Where am I? Lost my spot. What verse am I at? Thank you. So Let's just start from the beginning of 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now here's what I want you to do, Noah. I want you to make an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. I want you to notice as we continue to read, God has specific instructions for the ark. When God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle, God had specific instructions for the tabernacle. How in the world in 2016 we think we can design the ark or we can design the tabernacle and God doesn't care, that blows my mind because God does not change. From the very beginning, He established when I'm going to provide a means of salvation, I've got some specifics of what you must do if you're going to be saved. And so in 2016, it doesn't, it does matter. I, I hate to say it, I really do. My flesh hates to say it, but we're not all going to the same place, just getting there on different roads. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the lie. No man comes to the Father but by me. Except you be born again, you're not going to see and you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Make an ark of gopher wood. God, I, I like I like this kind of wood. I'd rather do that kind of wood. Go for wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and pitch it within and pitch and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window. 
We're going we're gonna to pack this thing full of beasts, animals. And we got one window, one door that you close and we can't open. And one, you're going to give us one window? Just, let me just tell you folks, every now and then you think it stinks around here a little bit. You start ready looking for another church. You're right, it stinks around here. I guarantee you that ark after a couple of days was not a pleasant place to be. But they also under, understood there's stink in here and there's flood out there. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. One window, and it goes on the up, way up top. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower second, with lower second and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breadth of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. Everything that is in the earth shall die. So let's go back to my previous point. While it seems to be a great surprise to us that there was only eight people on the ark and nobody else got on the ark, look at what verse 18 says. But with thee, But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou, thy sons, thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. God told Noah from the beginning, on this ark, going to be you, your wife, your sons, and their wives. So it should be no surprise that when the door was shut, and the rain started, and the fountains of the deep opened up, that there was only eight people on that ark. You mean to tell me, Brother Wright, God was intending for everybody else to die without a chance? You mean to tell me God was wiping everybody out without any hope of deliverance? I don't think so. There's too many other times where God brought judgment and provided a way of escape. There's too many other times where judgment came and God also provided a way out. So what I propose to you tonight is this, contrary to what I've also preached in times past. There was only one ark, bless God, and there was. But I've actually come to tell you tonight, I think there should have been multiple arks. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, 
I don't understand that, brother. Right? Then what? Then how could a just and loving God destroy an earth? Tell Noah, build an ark. On that ark, I want you, your wife, your sons, their wives, and all these animals. You see. I've now come to the belief there wasn't supposed to be one ark, but there should have been multiple arks built exactly like the one ark. Uh, And that every house every house was responsible for the building of an ark for his house. See, we like to sit back and watch Noah build and work and slave away, and when the time comes, we're going to hop on the ark for salvation. But God said, one ark I want you to build, all these animals, but I'm only expecting your family to be on the ark. Somebody was supposed to look at a crazy preacher giving 120 years of his life, building an ark and saying, you know what, if you're doing that for your house, I think I'm going to do that for my house. If God spoke to you and that's what you're doing for your house, I've got a family and I want my family to be saved too. There's only one way to build the ark. I'm going to stick by that. There's only one pattern for the ark. It's not me customizing the ark the way I want the ark for my house. There's a pattern for the ark. But it's not Noah's responsibility to build the ark and me to hop on it. It's not David Wright's responsibility to build the ark and then the Breckenridge house hop on it and the Boyer's house hop on it and all of you other, you gotta build an ark. I, 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 I got a feeling some of you Probably are dis- some of you smarter than I am are disagreeing with me. But all I know is Hebrew says he built the ark for the saving of his house. And God said to Noah, I want you to know from the beginning, I'm only expecting on this ark. I'm only expecting on this ark eight. not expecting you to go out and reach the world. I want you to have something ready for your eight. I've come to preach to some people tonight. You're good going out reaching the world, but you haven't built an ark for your house yet. You've been around here long enough. You've heard me at some point state the fact I am a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. Oh, not like a, I got some dreams when it comes to the future and visionary, but I'm a dreamer. Not like a Joseph dreamer. I'm a ridiculous, dumb dreamer dreamer. I'd literally dream just about every night. I do not wake up in the mornings wondering what the interpretation is. 
I know God speaks in dreams. I'm going to say it again. I know God speaks in dreams. I know He can do that. But in 44 years, God's never really spoken to me in dreams. Most of the time, they're crazy, ridiculous, dumb stuff. And a lot of times, I can pinpoint it to something that happened or something I watched and whatever. I had a dream this, this, this week, just a couple of nights ago. And I, I don't know if it was from God, but it applies and in that in that dream, I was sitting kind of right over right about here actually and and there was a man, actually this guy, if I called his name, some of you'd know him he in his young years and his as a child and even into his teens, he was in the church or around church. I don't know if he was ever really in church. His mom was in church for years, stepdad was in church. no idea why this guy or whatever no no clue but but in that in this service, it was in church, we were, this guy, he was being honored for his ministry and what he was doing in ministry. And, and him and his family were sitting on these two rows. He was sitting about this row with, with uh, they had three daughters and a son and, and his wife. He was sitting with two of the daughters and the son and the wife was sitting on this row with one of the daughters. And, 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 and the son was, I'd say, like around 10 years old and and he was fooling around, cutting up a little bit, and I and, and I saw as he was correcting this son, and I saw the sort of the anger with which he was correcting this son. Sort of troubled by that, and, and so I don't have no I, I don't know who it was. I don't remember even getting a glimpse, and it doesn't even matter. But somebody was kind of up making comments and giving accolades about this guy and his ministry. And as that was going on, as I continued to watch, I watched as each one of his family members, the, the daughters and the wife, I watched as the tears started to trickle down their face. And I understood that the reason those tears were trickling down their face is because the guy up here everybody was talking about wasn't the guy they knew. The guy that everybody was ranting and raving about, about how wonderful a job he was doing in ministry and about how awesome he was, was not the one they lived with. While everybody was excited and happy about what he was doing, there was a whole nother side. I, I know, oh God, I know I've not been a perfect husband and a perfect father. No, I've got my fair share of mistakes. But what I live by is if he, him, and him, and her, and her, and her, if they sit where you're sitting while I'm preaching, and tears are trickling down their face because that guy is not the guy we know. That guy is not the one we live with. I may be telling you how to build your ark, but I'm not doing my job to build mine. Because I want these five people at the end of every day 
In spite of the mistakes I have made and will continue to make because I'm a human being, I want them to be able to look at me and not feel like there is a great gulf fixed between him and the one we live with. Brother Morgan rocked my world on my beliefs about Abraham, and I'm still trying to figure all that out. At this point, I'll still hang on to one I got with Noah. How is it that a man with three grown sons married can simply say to them, God spoke to me? Here's what he's told me to do. I gotta build this boat. It's gonna be this size. It's gonna be these dimensions and it's gonna be these number of floors and this is the design. And the reason we're building this is because there's gonna be a flood that comes and, and, and God's gonna destroy the earth and it's in it and every living thing is gonna be destroyed except what's on the ark and, 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 and before we get in the ark we, we gotta collect up animals and bring animals on the ark and, 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 and there's gonna be a flood and if we're not on the ark we won't be saved. I don't know where Noah was when God spoke to him but My assumption is he was by himself. My assumption is it wasn't a thundering voice from heaven that everybody could hear. It was was more between him and God. Ham, Shem, and Japheth weren't around. More than likely, more than likely Ham, Shem, and Japheth didn't hear the voice. More than likely, Sister Noah didn't hear the voice. It's one thing for the, for the wife and the blood sons, but three daughters-in-law didn't hear the voice. And yet, based on what Noah said, that they had no evidence or sign to confirm, three sons gave 120 years along with their father. And three daughters-in-law were willing for their husbands to give a hundred and twenty years to do something that was completely crazy. As long as to the best of my ability it's based on the truthfulness of the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God and I'm following Christ to the best of my ability, I hope I can somehow build in these four young people a trust No, I know we need scripture. I know we need chapter and verse for what we believe. I know these two young ladies need a biblical understanding of things we teach for, for separation. I know that. I know that. I know my sons, there are things that I believe and teach and preach that I know they need a scriptural foundation. I hope somehow hope somehow I can live the kind of life that until they get that for themselves, there's enough trust in me as a father. My walk with God and my relationship with God to say, you know what, Dad? If that's what you say, if that's what you say God said to you, if that's what God has spoken to you to do, I'm in. I'm in. That doesn't happen by accident. 
I've got to recognize that I've got a responsibility. I've got to find out what the pattern is. Here's one reason I'm bringing this now. Holding that thing, it's just not the same. I know there's a pattern and the pattern doesn't change. I know there's some pressure in this world today to change some things. I know there's some things that my four kids are facing in this world that if we would just alter just a little bit, it makes some things easier. But, but, but the pattern that I believe is here, it's not my pattern. I didn't come up with it. I didn't design it, but I am embracing it because there are five people that as long as it's my response, Ability. I want there to be an ark. Bishop said it at men's conference last week, and I've come to echo it tonight. Something's got to change. We have allowed for too long the ladies to be the ones that have been the leaders of homes and families and households. Allow the ladies to carry the spiritual responsibility. And I'm talking in houses where there's godly men. I know some of you are single or single families and you, you, you're a lady and you've got that. That's your responsibility in your circumstances. But to the men, to the homes. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try to go too long tonight, but I don't get to preach on Sunday night again until June unless something unexpected happens. So, I shared this a couple of weeks ago with the young adult or the young married couples. I've spent the last number of years, actually probably most of my marriage, but the last couple of years it's sort of been the case, living with the opinion that she, if you're a guest tonight, this is my lovely, very nice looking wife. I've lived with the opinion, Sister Owens, that she is the thermostat for our house. She sets the climate. been very blessed that she can stay at home essentially essentially a stay at home mom a lot of different things with church and ministry she does as well as some other things so that has that is confirmed even more she's the one that spends the most time with the kids and in the house and so she sets the atmosphere and the climate so I just sit off in my chair. I don't have a recliner. That's for the older generations. I, I've got a chair and an ottoman. But it is my chair and ottoman. And everybody knows that. I never have mastered that look. That seems like a general. I've talked to some of my peers and I don't know. I don't know if I'm just failed, but I've never, you know, I, I, some of my the guys I've grown up with, we discussed this. Our dads had a look that, that look. That look, you just stop dead in your tracks. I've spent 19 years trying to figure out that look, and I have yet to figure it out. I, I can't get it. I don't know. I have never gotten it. I've basically given up hope to ever get the look. Do I have the look? Thanks. That really makes me feel. I didn't think I had it, and he just helped me confirm it.
I don't have the look, but most of the time, if I walk in the room and somebody's in my chair, they get up. Cause, so I did get that part down, you know. I knew what my dad's chair was, and when he showed up, you sit in as long as he's not there. And I thought that I can just sit over in my chair, and if she's having a bad day, or if she's having an emotional breakdown, bless God, she needs to adjust the thermostat. I'm not done, so I'll I'll be honest about this part because I'm not done. I'm really embarrassed. I mean, I'm probably ashamed to admit that about three weeks ago, sitting in the chair, all of a sudden I got a revelation. The atmosphere of this house. is not set by her. And actually it comes from me. Because in God's authority structure, how can one who is supposed to be subject to another circumvent that? So if you got God, and then you've got the husband who's supposed to be the head of the house... If he's got things that are unsettled and his spirit's not right, it don't matter where she sets the temperature. Oh, hallelujah. This is not one of my finest days when it comes to preaching messages that make people like you. If I got stuff that's not settled, I, you, you know, I've, I've taught it last year on Thursday nights, especially since last May. God has been working on me. The, the primary word that describes what God's been doing in my life since last May is identity. Starting back up in January, it started all up again, and then my sickness hit. And in the middle of all of that, going through my sickness, God continued working on me, and there were some things that I was able to face. There were some things, I, because of my circumstances, I was able to, to get a read on some things that if I was in my normal life of busyness, I wouldn't be able to really see where I was. What I realized is there's some stuff that's been unsettled in me for years. And while I might be sitting over in my chair, you see, I, I, I just simple personality, I'm, I'm the quiet, reserved, whatever one, and my wife is... Is the more outward, emotional, whatever one. I got to get really, 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 really mad for my voice to be raised and whatever. A couple years ago, I had purchased some suits in Malaysia. I actually take that back. My dad treated me to some suits in Malaysia. You can get tailor-made suits in Malaysia for the same price. You can buy suits at K&G. So just don't want you thinking pastors spending thousands of dollars on suits. That's not the case. <laughs> and they had messed them up, and I'd taken them back on one of my trips, and the pants were still messed up. And, and finally, I called the guy, and I, it was one of those times. And I'm, I'm talking, and I'm in my closet talking, and next thing I know, I look out the door, and there's eyeballs. Get off the phone. Dad, we've never seen you so mad. 
that's not my spirituality. I'm, that's not my spirit. Don't, don't, some of you are getting a little, your hackles up. That's not my spirituality. It's just my personality. Just my personality. So I'm not judging all of you that one little touch and you're, we're watching the mushroom cloud above your head. It's just, it's just me. That's just who I don't, that's not my, that's not, this is who I am. I'm sorry. This is who I am. Some of you got anger and temper that flares. I, I don't judge you because that's, you gotta, you gotta work to control it. But so, so I can sit over in my chair and I can just be as calm as I can be and not saying a whole lot and things exploding around me. And I can think, boy, you, you need to get control of you and them. I'm being honest with you. I know some of you men don't want me being honest because you got to go home with your wife tonight and she's going to. And I'm thinking to myself, you, you just, you, you need to, you need to change the atmosphere here. You need to. I was sitting in my chair about three weeks ago and all of a sudden there wasn't no voice. It wasn't whatever, but I, it hit me. I. I'm the thermostat in this house. Because you know what? In the last, and I, I don't know what these five think. I haven't asked them. I guess I should have asked them. But from my perspective, in the last several weeks, I have seen a change in my house. I've seen a peace and a calm in my house that I haven't seen for years. And in my opinion, that's directly tied into the fact that the head of the house has in Him a peace and a calm that hasn't been there in a long time. If I'm the head of my house, and I'm supposed to be submitted to God, and my wife is supposed to be submitted to me, how in the world can she have peace and calm in her when the one between her and God doesn't have peace and calm? How convenient is it for me to put off on her to get that fixed and let me sit over in my chair quietly and not take responsibility? Oh, I, I'm not talking about, don't get, don't, I'm not talking about you need to get up in your house every day and preach to your family and call prayer meetings. You may need to, but I haven't done that. I haven't called any prayer meetings the last couple of weeks. We haven't had any big, big come to Jesus meetings, but I believe there's been a change in the atmosphere. And it's my job to build a place of safety for my house. Brethren, are you building? Oh, don't just bring them here and try to get them on somebody else's ark. Well, Brother Barr, I watch you, man. You're... You're a worshiper, and I'm just not quite like that. So, if you don't mind, I got a couple I'd like to slip on. I'd like to sneak a few on your ark. And actually, while they're slipping on, I may just creep on up in behind them, too. Because it's a whole lot easier getting on somebody else's ark than it is having to build your own. It's a whole lot easier letting everybody else do the work 
Let's send them off to Sunday school. Let's send them off to youth. Let's send them off to this. Let's send them off to that. And hopefully they'll get it. They'll get it right. They'll get it fixed. While I just kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. There's a flood coming. There's an ark being built. But if I understand what I've read to you tonight, and if my change on this is correct... There shouldn't be just one ark being built. About to start a new ark here in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Hopefully for several years now, there's been a new ark being built. How's it coming, folks? How's your ark being built? Making some progress on building the ark that you're supposed to build? I'm making a covenant with you, Noah. You can't get any more stronger. You can't get any more of a guarantee than when God makes a covenant. There's nothing more reliable than when God makes a covenant. He says, I am entering into covenant with you. I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save your eight. I don't expect any more than that to be on your house, in your house. On that ark. I just, I just don't believe that the God we know, the God we serve, was not willing for there to be more than eight souls saved. Just don't believe that God wasn't willing. There's, there's, you say, Brother Wright, I still don't know if I'm buying your theory or not. Let me tell you something. If God intended for the world to be on that ark, it would have been a lot bigger. There ain't no way you're getting all them animals on that ark and the rest of the world too. Well, I guess if folks would have stood getting on the ark, they'd have to start getting rid of animals. No. Because He said, I want you on and I want them on. Nobody in 120 years, no one, no one stopped and looked at Noah and said, you know what, I see what you're doing. And I see how you're doing it. And so like Joshua, standing before the children of Israel, making the declaration, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the, of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, as for me, and Joshua didn't stop there. As for me, 
That's great. It's got to start. But it's not just as for me. I know you don't feel well, but if I could borrow you, as for me and my house. We will, we will, we will. Not might, not maybe, it's not an option, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's the problem. I can't make that declaration for us if I'm not living the first part. As for me, as for me, I'm going to serve Him. And because I'm serving Him, I'm going to declare that we will, 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 will. I know, I know some of you parents are sitting here tonight with backslidden children and I am in no way wanting to offend or hurt you. But, but, but if you'll just give me a moment just to preach to those that are here and those that are sitting here tonight with little ones and teenagers that are still here. So I'm not trying to offend you, but if you'll just give me a moment while there's still time, there's some dads that need to make a declaration. It's not an option. We will serve the Lord. I know, I know, I know. 19's the oldest and 13's the youngest. And I know the story's not over yet. But I also know there's something inside of me that is determined. Whatever I can do and whatever I've got to do, we will serve the Lord. Brother Wright, I can't make a decision for my children. I can't tell my kid they gotta come to their own conclusions. And you tell me how a grown man sit down with a crazy word from God can tell six adult children and a wife, God spoke to me. You're gonna work with me. And they did it. We're intimidated to tell our kids when the house of God is open, we're going to be there. Of course, as I said, it's got to start with, if you ain't there when it's open, that's probably a reason why they're not there when it's open. As for me, Joshua said, and and my house, in my house. We will serve the Lord. I don't know if I can buy that, Brother Wright. That's just a little bit too controlling. No more controlling than it is a mother who has spent all of her life barren. Barren. 
desperate for a child and finally gets it. But to get it, she made a promise. If you'll give him to me, if you'll take away my barrenness, what I have longed for all my life, I will give up the opportunity to do what a normal mother does. I will forego the privileges and opportunities of motherhood. If you'll give him to me, I'll give him back. Hannah takes that child, comes to the man of God, says, for this child, I prayed. I wonder if sometimes the reason God doesn't give us what we're praying for is because we're not willing to say, I want it so bad. And I want it bad enough that if you'll give it to me, I'll give it back. Even if that means I miss out on all the things I would get from it. She takes that young boy, the high priest, and gives him to him. This is the child I prayed for. He walks away and leaves him there. Wait a minute, Mom. That was your prayer. That was your commitment to God. I didn't make any dedications for my life. I didn't make any commitments for my life. It is to me apparent from the outcome of his life that Samuel was not bitter over a choice that he didn't even have the chance to make. It seems to me there's enough evidence to say that Samuel embraced his mother's decision for his life. Decision his mother made to take away what would be a normal childhood. Young people, children and young people sit on these seats raised as an apostolic. The enemy comes along and it's not fair. It's not fair that you've been raised here, can't do this, can't do that, can't go here, can't go there. You haven't had the chance to do the things your parents did. You haven't had the chance to sow your wild oats. I declare to you tonight, every life does not have to sow their wild oats. Every life does not have to sow their wild oats. The Bible says not one word that Samuel spoke ever fell to the ground. Not one word. Samuel didn't go to youth riot. And hear a great message, William. And go to the altar and fall down. God, I give myself to you. I'll do whatever you want. He didn't go to youth camp and hear great preaching and go to the altar and spend 30 minutes in the altar like I did when I was about 18. God, I'll go wherever you, I'll be whatever you, you just call around. Somebody else. Decided for him. I guess maybe when you're somewhere in the 8 to 10, 12 year old range. And you're laying in your bed. And this voice calls your name. 
And you get up and you go in to the man of God. And you, you called me? He says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And the second time that voice comes. You, you get back up and you go back in there and respond again and again he says I didn't call you go back to bed and the third time you hear that voice clearly so clearly and you go in you called me no I didn't call you go back to bed but this time this time if you hear the voice here's what you need to do speak Lord as servant here I guess when you're only eight years old and you have that kind of experience, something probably starts working on the inside to say, you know, this isn't too much of a bad deal here. I, I'm missing some things. I'm giving up some things, but uh, there's some other things I'm kind of getting in exchange Uh, I, I know, I know. There's 300 plus people here tonight, and I got to preach to everybody. But, 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 just, just let me preach to my own for a minute. Timothy, there's nothing, there's nothing. I can promise you, there's absolutely nothing that can ever replace or substitute the anointing that already flows, but will only increase. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, they're mine, and I don't brag on them a lot. There's a whole lot to brag about, and so you don't need to hear all of it, and I don't. But, but, but it, it's not uncommon. We have a, we have a, we redid our basement a couple of years ago. We, we put in a music room, and I, who was it? Who, who was it? Was it Paul or not? Not Paul. Who was it? Said I have no greater joy than that my children. Who was that? Said that I forget. I, there, there, I, there's a lot of true scriptures, but there's no, I, I don't think there's one any truer than that one. It's not uncommon. Several times a week, almost every day, you can hear coming from the basement. The keyboard playing, and I'm assuming since we can hear it on the main level. Just about at the top of his lungs, as he's down there in his own moment, him and God. There's a lot of things I've never done, Nathaniel. There's a lot of things I'll never do. There's a lot of things I'll never accomplish. And even without those, I can tell you confidently. There's not one thing this world can offer. can be a substitute for a connection with God and a flow of anointing trickling on you and flowing through you. There's no better place to be, folks, than on the ark. There's no better place to be than on the ark. Nobody else's job for me in my house. At some point, 
From what I'm told, it's a lot closer than I think. I'm going to have to relinquish that responsibility. I'm hoping. I'm hoping there's somebody. I don't want a millionaire. I don't want a doctor. I don't want a lawyer. I don't care if I got to go get a loan to support you girls. Find an art builder. Please find an art builder. One day, it won't be my responsibility like it is now, Timothy. So please, be an art builder. Not only for yourself, but for whoever that girl is that one day will walk down the aisle towards you. Be an art builder, Nathaniel. Be an art builder. Are there any art builders in here tonight? Are there any art builders in Antioch that while we're out preaching to the world and reaching the world, we're not providing the place of security that God has given us the responsibility to build for our house? I'm I'm, I'm done. I think I'm done. Are there any art builders tonight? Are there any art builders that you're willing to look at the pattern You're not going to want to put your own twist on it. You're not going to want to customize it for your taste. But you're willing to look at the pattern of the ark and you're willing to decide for me and for my house there's going to be an ark. For me and for my house there's going to be an ark. There's not going to be just one ark with eight souls from one family. It's not just going to be Noah's family on an ark, but there's going to be a right family. There's going to be a right family on an ark because to the best of my ability, by the help and grace of God, I'm going to, I'm going to get the pattern right and I'm going to build. As crazy as I may look to this world, as odd as I may seem to this world, as strange as I may appear to this world, I've, I, I've got a word, I've got a word, I've got a word. Even if my word is just a logos and it's not a rhema, I've got a word. Oh, God. I, 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 I don't want to be offensive and I don't want to say more than I should say, but uh, there ought to be more men in this altar tonight. <laughs> there ought to be more men. I don't care if you're married or single. There ought to be more men in this altar tonight. There ought to be some men that accept a new level of responsibility for your house tonight. I don't care how spiritual of a wife God has blessed you with. I don't care how much she prays. I don't care what kind of an intercessor it is she is. She's not the ark builder for your house. Oh God, are there some men at Antioch tonight? That we'll do as Joshua did and make a declaration. As for me and my house, we will.
We will, we will, we will. It's got to start with me, so I will. I'm not going to tell my wife and my kids to do something I'm not doing. I'm not going to instruct them to do something I'm not doing, but by the grace of God, I'm going to do my part so I can then make the declaration for my house. We will serve the Lord. Oh God, awaken some ark builders. Awaken some ark builders, God. According to the pattern. According to the pattern. But awaken them. Awaken them. Awaken them. I will be what you've called me to be. I will be what you've called me to be, God. For the sake of my household, for the sake of my wife and my four kids, I will be what you've called me to be. I will be what you've called me. I will be what you've called me. There's a lot of reasons to do it. There's a lot of important reasons. But for the sake of my house is one of them. I will be what you've called me to be. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. Accept the weight of my responsibility. I accept the weight of my responsibility. I'm going to put it off on somebody else anymore, God. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do it for me. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to build an ark. I'm going to build an ark for the saving of my house. I'm going to hope that while I'm building an ark for the saving of my house, somebody else is going to be convicted to build an ark for the saving of their house. And somebody else is going to be challenged by the dedication of building an ark for my house and build it for theirs.
In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, I want to live whatever kind of life Noah lived, that if I speak a word to my family, if I speak a word to my household, God, there's enough confidence in my ability to hear from you that they will receive that word without question. Follow that word with confidence, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Everything, 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 Jesus. Withholding nothing, Lord. Withholding nothing, Lord. Withholding nothing, Lord. Jesus' name. Give it all. Give it all. I surrender. I commit, God, all. Not holding anything back, God, for the sake of my home, my family. I surrender all to you. Everything, 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 Lord. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. 
So if you feel to do so, would you stand and sing this chorus as your prayer? I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. Oh, withholding nothing. Withholding nothing, withholding nothing, withholding nothing. I know what time it is. I know what time it is. And if you need to go, you can go. But I wonder, it's been a long time since I've done this, requested this. I wonder if you're going to stick around for a few more minutes. I wonder if families could just get together a little bit right now. I wonder if you join together as families right now as we continue to sing and just as a statement for your home and your family. You surrender. We surrender. In the name of Jesus. I surrender all to you. Everything. All over again tonight, God, not as not just as a church, but as households, as families. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing, we surrender. Withholding nothing, we surrender, God. As for me and my house. As for me and my house, we surrender. As for me and my house, we withhold nothing. As for me and my house, we withhold nothing. Nothing, nothing. Nothing back. I'm keeping nothing in reserve. Just a portion, not just a part, not just a percentage. I give you all of me. I give you all of me, Jesus.
Everything I give to you 